Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome everybody to Histories of the Unexpected, the show in which we explain how everything has a history, even the most unexpected of subjects, like aardvarks, pots and blubber. Oh, blubber would make a brilliant topic, Sam. However, we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, who knew that the history of fruit eating is all about medicine and Tudor society, or that the history of keys is all about female power in the Viking world. Uh, the man not sitting opposite me who will help pilot us through these micro-histories is one of the country's leading professors of history. It's Professor Extraordinaire James Daybell. Hi, James. Hello, Sam. And the man not sitting opposite me, but ably helping me co-pilot these episodes, is the famous historical adventurer, Dr Sam Willis. This is the third of our special Christmas-themed micro-histories in which we embrace the task of demonstrating how an unexpected subject not only has a history, but is massively important and interesting in just 15 minutes. And we do it without just speaking faster. We will start with a shared example, then have just five minutes each to make a case for an interesting history on that very unexpected subject. Contributions are rigorously timed. And you, dear listeners, will get to vote on social media on what you think was the most interesting fact you heard today. Uh, Today's topic is the fabulously artistic history of shoes. Uh, Right, James, where are we going to start? Well, we are going to start with shoes as a deterrent for evil sprites, Sam. We explained in our Christmas micro-history podcast on the history of evil how shoes were used as a noxious deterrent for evil sprites at Christmas time. You'd burn your stinky shoes to stop evil beings coming down the chimney. But shoes were also a precursor to the customary stockings that we have now as receptacles for yuletide gifts. Earlier depictions of St Nicholas do associate him with dropping gold coins down the chimney, which in 16th century Holland led to the tradition of children placing their shoes on the hearth on the eve of the Feast of St Nicholas, waking up in the morning to find them filled with presents and sweets. Oh, that makes me want to put an enormous pair of Wellington boots by the fire (laughs) as a receptacle for candy. The biggest shoes ever. (laughs) So, in Italian folklore, an old woman named Bafana, who sometimes is referred to as the Christmas witch, 
delivered gifts to children on the eve of Epiphany, the 6th of January, slipping them into their shoes that the children had left by the fireplace. Now, these earlier chimney-related European traditions no doubt passed into usage in the United States through patterns of migration as people left Europe and went over to America. And the spread of Christmas traditions, then, is, of course, intimately linked with the spread of people around the globe. And this is, of course, what led to those traditions associated with Father Christmas coming down the chimney. Now, there we are, but it's not all about... That's not the only meaning and reading of shoes historically, is it, Sam? Where are you going to take us? I, I am going to go to the French Revolution. I thought oh, it was the, the finest excellent. place to do that. So France in the 1790s for a bit of um, fascinating shoe history, more broadly wrapped up in a bit of fashion history. I want to set the scene. Uh, this is a quote from Antoine. I need to count you down. Da- I need to count you down, Sam. Oh, you do. Okay, ready. Okay, so I'm going to be very strict on the five minutes this time. <laughs> on your marks, get set, go. Right. Uh, so going to France in. Uh, the 1790s for a fascinating bit of shoe history, more broadly wrapped up in a fascinating bit of fashion history. Let's set the scene here. Um, This is from uh, writings of someone called Antoine Bernave, who's a lawyer from Grenoble, who became a prominent revolutionary and was executed during the reign of terror. He writes his memoirs um, while he's waiting for execution, so knowing he's going to die. He just comments about the state of France. Conditions in France were ripe for a democratic revolution when the unfortunate Louis XVI ascended the throne. The government's actions favoured its explosion. The two privileged orders who still retained control of the government were ruined through their taste of luxury and had degraded themselves by their way of life. The third estate, in contrast, had acquired enormous wealth. The people were restrained only by their habit of servitude and the limited hope they had of breaking their chains. The government had succeeded in containing this hope, but it had nevertheless flourished in the heart of the nation. For royal power to have remained intact in such circumstances would have required a tyrant or a great statesman on the throne. Louis XVI was neither. He was too well-intentioned not to try to remedy the abuses, but he possessed neither the character nor talents to control an impetuous nation in a situation which cried out for reform. So there we have the setup of what was going on in France in the 1790s. Uh, he's talking about the Ancien Régime. He mentioned the third estate there. Uh, you've got the society divided into three. The first estate, the clergy, clergy. The second is the nobility, and the third is the commoners. Um, By far the largest proportion of people are the commoners, and those are the ones that rise up and they force France to change. Well, how did this affect fashion? It affected it in a really, really clear way, because there was a revulsion against the high fashion of the aristocracy, which had becoming more and more extreme since the reign of Louis XIV, known as the Sun King, in uh, in the early 1700s, late 1690s, early 1700s. Um, so a really distinctive extravagance associated with royalty and aristocracy. And particularly, it was associated with shoes. Louis XIV particularly had what was known as Louis heels. And he insisted that his heels, they could be as high as five inches, were the highest. He also proclaimed that only aristocrats could actually wear heels at all. And he had his coloured, a very distinctive red. 
So they were using shoes to define themselves as aristocrats. They were using as nobles. Um, it became a really interesting focus on French fashion. And this was became um, a subject of change in the French Revolution. And high heels disappeared. Um, they became associated with the rich and the wealthy. And they were replaced by um, just a, like a wedge or a spring heel, a single layer of leather inserted just above the sole at the back of the shoe. Um, quite a, a fragile shoe, but much more, uh, le- much less less glamorous. Um, the, the early ones of the 1690s and 1700s, hugely elaborate with bows, with buckles, with jewellery. Some even had kind of detailed scenes embroidered on them. Um, some of them still survive in fashion museums today. They're absolutely extraordinary. Now, interestingly, one of the shoes that does survive that makes this point of how shoes changed is a shoe that belonged to Marie Antoinette. Um, she, of course, was the uh, the last queen of France and she was executed. And it's said that she tripped up on her way to the scaffold and she lost her shoe. The shoe um, then reappeared. It was said that it was uh, picked up by someone, one of her supporters, and passed down through the family. It was given to uh, the Musée des Beaux-Arts in Caen, in northern France, um, in the mid-1860s or so. It was first exhibited not long after in the 1880s. Um, very plain shoe. She was said to wear white. Uh, it's the colour of, of widowhood, because her, her, her husband, of course, Louis, had been executed. And she had these very, very plain shoes that make the point of how clothing and shoes in particular uh, changed during the French Revolution. Um, it's interesting, I think, as well, that whether or not the shoe actually is hers has not been decided. But the point is that it was picked up and it survived as a memento, a physical connection between her supporters, the people who loved her, and the woman herself in history, uh, which, of course, is a story you will have all have heard in Cinderella. Similar sort of thing. Now, it wasn't just shoes, of course, but all sorts of things changed. Hats changed, clothes changed. What's that, James? I'm being interrupted. <laughs> That is, in fact, Public Enemy uh, from their album He Got Game, which was the soundtrack to the Spike Lee movie. Uh, It's a track called Politics of the Sneaker Pimps. Ah, very good, James. Very good indeed. Well, let me just finish up. I can say that shoes, in fact, are all about fanaticism in the French Revolution, about aristocratic privilege at the court of Louis XIV and the 15th and 16th, the Sun King, and the execution of Marie Antoinette. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Excellent. Very, very good. Right, my turn. Okay, hang on. I'm going to start your five minutes. Where are we going, James? One, two, three, go. Well, Sam, we are going to talk about... Let me get my own timer here. We are going to talk about... So that I know. We're going to talk about sneakers and the politics of sneaker pimps. And this... One of the things that you may not know about me, you think I'm a sort of very right and proper professor, but I love uh, rap music and hip-hop and always have done and listen to it all the time. And one of my favourite groups is Public Enemy and I have been inspired by... Uh, their track, The Politics of Sneaker Pimps, to do a little bit of research around how we think about training shoes, trainers and the and the history of trainers. And these have always been, you know, political, it's been political footwear. And there's a brilliant exhibition uh, that was a few years ago in Toronto called Out of the Box, The Rise of Sneaker Culture. And if you think over the last few years how training shoes or sneakers as they are in america have come into the public realm they are innately political so you think about um new balance trainers and their support of donald trump's protectionist trade policies uh which led to them being branded by a neo-nazi group on their blog as the official shoes of white people i don't know whether you remember this but there were customers who were just appalled by this and so they got their very very expensive uh new balance trainers and then went to town on social media showing all sorts of pictures of where they what they did with these shoes to discard of them they flushed them down toilets they put them in in rubbish bins uh and it led to the company basically coming out and saying that it didn't it made a statement it does not tolerate bigotry or hate in any form uh and then you get nike coming out a sort of month or so later um you know basically being all sort of politically correct and you know and 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 you know and basically jumping on the sort of the bandwagon so that they didn't want themselves to be part and parcel of this sort of um attack on new balance style trainers uh and so what we have here is that the sense that in fact these kinds of shoes sneakers have always been a vehicle for uh political statements um and if you look back at the it doesn't have to be sort of in the media like that but if you look back over history um from their sort of start they were they were about been around for about 200 years they have you know they have meant all sorts of things about class about masculinity about race about national identity i mean take for example during the second world war just before the second world war at the 1936 berlin olympic games trainers or sneakers were you know were part of um uh, a sort of new footwear democratized footwear as they became much cheaper um you see 
um, the worn by uh, fascist sort of um, troops training in Germany, Japan, in Italy, um, but also they are part of resistance. And it's striking to know that Jesse Owens, the very famous uh, sprinter, uh, uh, African-American sprinter, who dominated the 1936 Berlin Olympic Games, um, almost sort of, you know, ridiculed the Nazi host because he was actually wearing German-made running shoes made by the Dassler uh, company. Um, I think one of the things that we can see is also the way in which sneakers are marketed and merchandise and they are they become very very popular very expensive they're connected to basketball to baseball and there's a sense in which people want these items you know so they want to go out and they want to buy them and this is often associated with crime in the 19 in 1990 in response to the uh, spike lee's uh advert for Nike Air Jordans there were apparently a string of sneaker killings uh, so people going out and killing people in order to get hold of their their sneakers um, and I just wanted to end with a with a rap against this by Public Enemy and it's from uh, it's this politics of the pe sneaker pimps your five minutes is up James but I will let you do your rap these Excellent. are the bells of Notre Dame de Paris oh. uh, will encourage you to think about poor old Marie Antoinette losing her shoe on the scaffold. And the fact is, we can't actually hear that noise anymore, can we? Uh, because of, no. because of what happened to Notre Dame. Anyway, uh, we digress. And James, you're going to finish off with a lovely rap. Go. On the outs, I lace up the world. I face up to score on anybody. It's a war on everybody. The new guys come in bloodshot between the eyes as long as they sell in that merchandise. Air one, what goes in, don't come back. The colour might be green, but it's also black. And red, I know many heads that spent bloodshed. Cursed in converses, dead in pro-keds. Now every Tom, Dick, Harry or Joe Smith skip the Spaldings. Ponies, the K-Swiss. High school and college coaches get in dollars with kickbacks and scholarships. Them slave ships. Converses for the pros. Kids with feelers, Reebok Nikes, Newbox My Adidas. And part of that click spending all that cheddar on kicks. BS in the politics, politics of them sneaker pimps, politics of them sneaker pimps, politics of them sneaker pimps, politics of them sneaker pimps. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Chuck D. So there you have it, Sam. Shoes in the form of sneakers are all about political identity in the 20th century. Oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> that was a, I was just, that was amazing. I don't really know what to say about that at all. Uh, I hope you have all enjoyed this amazing history of shoes. We've gone from shoes and evil sprites and the precursors of stockings to Marie Antoinette, the French Revolution, and then um, the sneaker pimps and some 20th century rap music and politics. What an amazing thing, James. Who, who knew? Who knew? Who Do, knew? Who knew? <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Do please follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Sam Willis. And I'm at James Daybell. And the pod is at Unexpected Pod. And you can find out everything that we have been up to by checking out our website on historiesoftheunexpected.com. And that's where you can buy yourself some Christmas books. We're signing the books. We're sending them all out. So please do check out the website and get in touch. And we can do a personally engraved book for all of you or all of your family. Um, we'll be back soon with some more Christmas micro histories. Bye, guys. Take care, guys.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.